0: Trace the Alternative with Fab Radio. Hello, bibliophiles! It's Sunday. You're listening to FabRadioInternational.com, and I'm your host, Ed Fortune, and I'm here
1: with in Face.
0: You can catch us on all sorts of lovely social media. We are on Twitter, Facebook, Tumblr, and Mixcloud as Radio Boogwam and you can also find the station itself by going to FabRadioInternational.com. We are we come to you in um, cooperation and coordination and lots of folks with Starburst Magazine (laughs) Um, and we are also available on iTunes. If you haven't got us on iTunes yet go on to iTunes and um, find us. Check
1: us out. Check us
0: out and please subscribe and leave a little note. uh.
1: And, And tell us how fab we are or how enraged we make you.
0: And as feel free to text us during the show. Coming up we have uh, an interview with Mark Stays about Robot Overlords I love the sound of <laughs> uh, that it's, it's the movie and the adaptation of the movie which she's done both of I review Jim Butcher's Skin Games,
1: yes I've read it before you have cause <laughs> I am a meanie and uh, and I'm looking at The Host which is one of my favourite books by infamous Stephanie Mayer
0: It's also towel day today, so happy towel day! If happy you know, towel
1: day. if you
0: know where your towel is, you flippy fruit um, So yes, we'll talk about that at the end of the show. And
1: uh, see you next week.
0: Those hands are playing the strangest musical instrument in the world. The only instrument that is not touched by hand. you ask for it. So it's time for the news. So we've got a, a big pile of things. Shall we? Shall we deal with the with the one that angered, angered us the most at the start?
1: Enraged.
0: Okay, so the Conservative Party of um, the United Kingdom, um, specifically the Education Secretary, Michael Gove, which I believe is a word for something else these days. Um, Michael Gove has um, taken To Kill a Mockingbird and other American titles off the GCSE reading list. Boo! Boo, boo, boo. This morning, you might have heard the thunderclap as faces and palms collided. Apparently, it's so they can uh, so uh, young people can pursue British authors. Unless he's unless he's swapped it for Mallory Blackman's Knots and Crosses. Yes, because you know I can I, the only book off the top of my head that is GCSE ready, yeah. sort of thing, and is worth 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 a good study. Um, would be Mallory Blackman's Notes and Crosses yes because it's got the same message it talks about the same thing it I, I don't offer. think
1: that, that they've actually swapped it I think no. they've just taken a title off uh, which you They're know taking taken all
0: non-British titles off It's just xenophobic nonsense but anyway we're not we, we, we don't go into politics too much no no um, but it's, that's it's a
1: bad thing anything that takes away your choice it's a bad thing
0: yep um, so moving on swiftly on to other news Amazon and hatchet are still fighting. <laughs>
1: Amazon, Amazon on, on news again. They, they really,
0: s- still are because hatchet being being well armed. Uh,
1: <laughs> and, oh, I see what you did there,
0: Edward. Um, are, are fighting against Amazon. Um, you know, in my head, that's like a, that's like a pitch battle between Amazons
1: and yeah, yeah, and and people with hatchets, hatchets and Amazons. forever? Anyway, um, <laughs> moving swiftly on. Uh, yes,
0: uh, essentially, uh, Amazon have. Uh, Kind of pulled, slash obscured, slash made it hard to get your hands on stuff like Robert Galbraith novel. Now Robert Galbraith, of course, is J.K. Rowling. Yes. So there is shenanigans. Shenanigans are happening. Uh, both are accusing each other of shenanigans as as it steps up to the next le- level. Um. Hatchet have said we are doing everything in our power to find a solution to this difficult situation, one that serves our authors and their work and preserves our ability to survive and thrive as a strong and author-centric publishing company. Um, We do not have a statement from Amazon to hand, um, but essentially Amazon are pushing their weight around is the short version. Um, So, yeah, boo. 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 Um, WH Smiths who are lovely and it's one of the places where you can buy Starburst magazine mm-hmm. uh recently got accused by Witch magazine uh, for being the worst retailer for customer service. Uh but,
1: by I'm sorry. A which magazine? As in Which question mark. Which question mark? Question mark. I, rather, I, that that bore a really weird image in my head. Rather
0: than a magazine for Just practicing about, flying pagans. Uh, yes. Of uh, pointy hats. Yeah. Um yeah no that's, that's no. a different which magazine question mark.
1: for those of you who don't know what which question mark is it's
0: a customer services it's a consumer magazine and it gives you ratings for things
1: yes essentially. pretty much I is it world I mean it, I think it's mainly UK based isn't it it is UK yeah. based so for uh, those of you who aren't in the UK eh
0: I've been quoted in rich magazine before, but that's a different story entirely. <laughs> um, then, not, not something we can discuss, actually. Um, W.H. Smith have received an overall 55% rate, uh, rating. Um, uh, the stores were crowded, they had limited stock, uh, and so on. W.H. Smith have said that the exercise is very misleading, as W.H. Smith does not fit into any of the other survey categories. Except, except, essentially, there's, there's been a bit of an up and down. Uh, I believe Waterstone's top or did very well with the list um, but there you go which, mm. which magazine uh, See, wiped their I, fingers
1: I, I do... I, I, as someone that worked in retail for 15 years I have to say customer service is a very personal experience so for me someone else writing it doesn't really make any sense because well, I might actually like you know all the things that they think people do like
0: which do try and be as neutral as possible. But the thing is, I think it's very hard for a magazine to be neutral about oh, a major magazine distributor. And you do look at that, and obviously we have no idea, and this is a basis accusation based on pure conjecture. <laughs> um, but you do look at that and you just think... Maybe, maybe David Smith and Rich have had a a sharp conversation (laughs) and lost some percentile points for it. You you can never tell. um, Without asking,
1: but I, I, I personally stick to my guns. You know. customer experience is down to the person that is in the shop and it's down to the day you go the people you meet You know, it, it, it's so difficult to oh. pinpoint what makes good customer service and you, you can try and standardise it but, but it's not that I like to go in a shop and be left alone and if I need something I'll come and tell you I hate walking into a shop and someone going hi do you need anything have you seen this have you seen that oh my god step away from me first thing that I do is just walk out I'm sorry. I'm sure you're a lovely person and I'm sure you're just doing what you've been told by your lovely lovely manager, but that's not what is good customer service for me. But some but some stores do rate their staff on that exact thing oh, of yeah. interacting with the customers within 10 seconds of them being inside uh, the building well, as I said 15 years of retails have taught me that unfortunately companies need to have it standardised because they have to quantify it because they have to get take targets to the people blah, there's blah, blah.
0: another distributor of books out. I can accuse that of but anyway yeah. um, the Birchmuffs I really like them because they start Starburst magazine Also, just they
1: also have loads of books and they have loads of offers
0: just to wrap up, um, Puffin, um, I'll... Doing a book for the Book Time giveaway. Uh, Puffy, Puffin's Harry McClary and the Donaldson's Dairy by Lindley Dodd It's
1: awesome! I read uh, it to my daughter all the time. is
0: being given away as part of the Book Time programme. Um, we've got to talk about Harry McClary and the Donaldson's Dairy from the Donaldson's Dairy at some point, but not today. No. Uh, coming up next, we will be doing a book review of Jim Butcher's The Skin Games. Oh, sorry, Jim Butcher's Ed's Skin Games. doing
1: Game. a weird dance on his uh, chair.
0: Uh, just after these messages. A day. This is Fabrium International. Hello, everybody, and welcome back. And um, so, I'm going to be talking about Jim Butcher's Skin Game, which is part of the Dresden Files series. Shall we quickly explain for those who are uninitiated? uninitiated, uninitiated the Dresden Files, and what that's all about to begin with. Mm-hmm. So we have a chap called Harry Dresden, uh, Chicago's only professional wizard. He's he's got a thing in the other pages. It says wizard for hire. Um, he it is does. a trench coat wearing, hat big hat wearing he wears wizard.
1: stancels are cool.
0: Yeah, he's got stetson. He's a he's a proper cowboy in Chicago, styly bloke, um, with magic powers. Now, the Dresden Files is a huge, huge series, and we could we could easily dedicate an entire show. Um, this is a return to form for Jim Butcher. I know some people who've read some of his more, you know, some stuff like Ten Colton Changes, and they didn't particularly like them, Um and you know, comparing them to some of his earlier stuff like Stormfront and Full Moon, people were like, nah, "It's gotten a bit. It's gotten a bit stale." Uh, this is a return to form. It's a short version. Mm-hmm. So you know, if you're like, if you're, a fan, you're like, oh, well, is it any good? Ed? Yes. Uh, yeah, it, it, it. So, for those who don't know the, the books at all. Uh, Harry is a wizard he lives in the real world um, <laughs> Harry
1: a wizard you're a wizard Harry <laughs> you're a
0: wizard Harry there's a line of that in uh, one of the earlier books where, some, where one of the police detectives is just horribly sceptical <laughs> and he's like ah I see you've changed you're Harry that's a convenient name for a wizard
1: <laughs> and he's
0: like actually I'm named after Harry Houdini um, yeah so a- it's a great character essentially we have a very complicated urban fantasy world yes. with different courts and different organisations for the various different supernatural creatures so werewolves hang around in packs, um vampires have their own courts depending on what sort of vampires they are the, 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 the Porsche vampires have a different sort of court of the mm-hmm. ones that just run around eating corpses and that's yep. all of thing and they are there's, there's the wizards council of the White Council, as they yes. call themselves, and they run round of their staffs, and are all very really serious and, and serious-minded. And Harry was a wizard who became, who started off as a warlock, so that means he was outside the kind of legal purview of his supernatural society that he's in. And then he slowly but surely kind of clawed his way up the ranks, trying to avoid being tied to any club because he's not. He's fairly, he's a fairly anti-establishment figure who ends up being mm. who ends up. Because it's the right thing to do enforcing laws in certain ways. So the first thing about the skin Game is this is not a book for someone who doesn't know the Dresden Files.
1: Okay. Um, so if you want to start, just go to the beginning.
0: Go to the beginning. Pick up. Uh, he said, looking at the back, pick up Stormfront because it's a great book. Have read
1: Stormfront. It's the only one I've read.
0: However, I was about to say if you've read Stormfront or maybe one or two of the others, and you're kind of like, oh, I don't know if it's, yeah, you can chiefly get away with this because. Now that you've been introduced to the character, you can pretty much plug yourself back into the series.
1: But to be fair, once you've read the first one, you're not going to pick up, you know, the latest. You're just going to carry on and, and, and you really
0: should. Um, as I say, to return to form, uh, the plot is really it's really convoluted because we're going we're going into a series that's been running for a, a big chunk of books now. So let's see he's got. I love this. OK, what we've got is we've got the, the Knights of Black Daenerys. Uh, Daenerys means coin. And they have a coin from uh, well, one of those 30 pieces of silver. You know, those 30 pieces of silver. You know, the ones that Judas was given. Mm-hmm. Those bits. And then we have a bunch of knights with swords. And in the swords, they have the, the, the true cross. So we have swords and we have coins. And it's a book about the supernatural, you see. Swords and coins... More after the, after these messages. Embrace the alternative. This, this is Fabulous International. So, uh, coming back, we're talking about Jim Butcher's The Skin Games, and it's. Um, the skin game, not skin games. That's a different <laughs> thing, entirely. <they>? Uh,
1: <laughs> the latest Harry Dresden, coveted Harry Dresden book.
0: Uh, it's very, very good indeed. We enjoyed it an awful lot. Uh, I enjoyed it. I say we. I enjoyed it an awful <laughs> lot. Uh, Essentially, what we've got is we've got these, these knights of the cross, with their swords. We've got these bad guys with their coins. Now, now what else do we need? Do we need ones? Well, we've got wizards. We've got ones. We've do we need a cub? Well, do we need, we
1: need cups? Yeah.
0: Do we need Do we need a cup? Hmm. Yeah. There might be a cup in this book. Well, let's let's not go into too much detail. No as to spoilers, what the cup might otherwise,
1: trust and fans will just you know send hate mail to the to the radio, and it wouldn't be fun.
0: But the principles for those who 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 know about these these sort of things, the metaphors to do with swords and righteousness and reason, and coins, and, it's all in there. Uh, as is the whole thing of Home and half. So, mm-hmm. how he gets hired. Because he's a detective, pretty and he much. Gets, but these days he's also the Knight of Winter. Queen Mab, yes, that Queen Mab, uh, the Queen of the the, the fake old has pretty much got Harry on a hook at the moment. So he's he's stuck. He has to do what she says. She's she's not sort of blackmailed, uh, you know. It's Mab, so Mab's going to be all kind of. I'm sort of blackmailing you, and I'm sort of not blackmailing you, I'm just... I'm
1: blackmailing you, but I'm being totally suave about it.
0: Essentially. You've got no choice but to do this, however, and you know that you've got no choice to do this, but I'm not going to call it blackmail, because that's just not classy. No. (laughs) So he gets forced to to work with Nicodemus, who's one of his enemies from the the, the series. Mm. This is all in the blurb. He ends up having to work with Nicodemus. Nicodemus carries a coin from, from Judas... Nicodemus is an evil, evil wizard. Nicodemus is an evil man. He's got the, he's got Judas's noose around his neck. Mm, he's charming. a he's a he's a bad guy. And the thing is, Nicodemus turns around and goes, "Yes, I am a villain." However, I have a reputation, and my reputation is: is if I hire someone to do a job, they do the job because you know that's, I've been doing this for two thousand years. I, I'm very good. I'm so cute. He, he gets together a posse, <laughs> and they have a heist.
1: Oh dear!
0: You'll never guess where the heisting.
1: Nicodemus eleven.
0: It is Nicodemus eleven. You'll never guess where the heist is. No. Oh. Hades is Oh Jesus! Well, well, uh, exactly the exact opposite, <laughs> in fact. But um,
1: oh, Hades!
0: He might be involved at some level, but <laughs> yes. So, so off they go to to bank vault in the underworld. Awesome. Uh, it's a heist novel Jim Butcher has sat down and gone I've done every, I've done these characters left, left ways sideways up ways down ways
1: what's missing uh, what's missing I've not you look know. George Clooney and Brad Pitt are on TV what are they doing <laughs> he's had Harry
0: Dresden ride a zombie dinosaur in the past <laughs> yes I mean, yes wh- I've heard where else do you go but a heist caper it's a heist caper I loved it to pieces Um Fantastic. it's filled with the It's filled with the usual stuff that you should expect from the Dresden Files. So yes, Harry is very sexy. Yes, Harry is very cool. Yes, there's a whole thing about family and half and home. Yes, there's lots of kids running around. Yes, there's a whole thing about love. Yes, there's some weird ideas about where souls come from and creation. He
1: looks like Clint Eastwood from this angle on the cover it's a young Clintist. but on
0: the other hand he's also you know just really really cool kind of kick ass magically powered action hero it's it's very you know it's very easy to have a pop at a kind of an action hero based novel you, you know I could I could tear it apart quite easily using all my literary powers but that would just make me grumpy
1: <laughs> I want to love it and cuddle it and hug it and call it George as, or as, Harry
0: as, as soon as you get the you know he has a Stetson he has a, a big ass gun, he has a wand, he has all these cool things. You know, he has a, doesn't have a wand, he has a staff. I he was has a staff. Say. His trench coat's covered in, in sigils, obviously. You know, as soon as you get behind that side of things you, and have fun with it, you will have fun with it. If you're not into the Dresden Files, then, and you like detective based action, cinematic action, urban fantasy, Get into the Dresden Files. If you are into the Dresden Files, you've probably got this on pre-order. If you were into the Dresden Files and you kind of fell out of love with it because it went a bit weird and it did go a bit dark at points, and some of the some of the, the as I we've mentioned, some of the the more recent novels have been a bit oh, really. Um, this is a return to form for Jim Butcher. I enjoyed it a lot. Um, if you like, if you liked Fool Moon, if you liked Grave Peril. If you like Deadbeat um, I actually I quite like Ten but anyway. Uh, I quite like White, White Knight as well. Then you will like and if you like your stories.
1: I'm sorry I've just noticed the back cover. There's a, an awesome entertainment entertainment weekly little little um, quote think Buffy the vampire slayer starring Philip Marlowe.
0: I think I think that's a slightly ra- lazy description to be honest because yeah okay it's a, it's a good grab place, me. It's a good place to start certainly. Um one of the things that I'm really kind of sore about this is he's gotten rid of the. He used to have a beetle car. He used to drive around in a beetle. Like oh yeah. Blue. He called it the Blue Beetle because he's a comic book nerd. because um, one of the running gags is that wizards, as soon as they go past delicate technology, the Del- delicate yeah. technology gives up. Um, yeah. So he's got an old. He's got an old car which just barely works. Um, so I think coming up next we have a bunch of interviews and things. In fact, let's talk about some Robot over- overloads coming up next. So, you just missed my review of Jim Butcher's skin game, which is on Orbit. It comes out next week. It is by Jim Butcher, it is part of the Dress and Files series, and it's about 20 quid. But you could probably get it for cheaper at your local retailer, Uh, support your local indie bookstore. Coming up now, we have an interview with the lovely Mark Stay, who wrote the screenplay for Robot Overlord, which is coming out soon, mm-hmm. and has also written a novel for Robot Overlord. And over the course of the interview, you'll learn that he intends to start an entire franchise based on Robot Overlord, if he's lucky. He'd like to anyway. So um, that's coming up soon. Embrace the Alternative with Fab Radio. Um, welcome to the bookworm, Mark Stay. Thank you very much, Ed. Great to speak to you. So, tell us all about Robot Overlords.
2: Uh, Robot Overlords. Well, it's uh, it's a movie that I've co-written with the director, John Wright, who did the excellent Grabbers, which came out a couple of years ago. And uh, he emailed me one morning, nearly four years ago to the day, actually, with a, a sort of a two-page outline uh, for a, a science fiction film set in the UK. And he'd had a nightmare. Uh, basically had a really bad dream where he was trapped inside and there were giant robots outside and he knew that if he set foot outside zap that would be it and he said are you interested and i said yes please you know so uh we started bouncing ideas back and forth and the film which is very close to being finished now in post-production um is uh set in a world where we've been invaded by robots they're all over the world they've come from another world we don't know why they're here and everyone is confined to their homes and if you do set foot outside you get one warning and that's it zap game over Um, but there's one boy called Sean Flynn his father was an RAF pilot who fought in the war against the robots and Sean is convinced that his father is still alive and so with his friends they figure out a way to break the curfew and they go on a quest to, to find his father. And on the way, they have an incredible adventure. And it's just been, just been huge fun writing it and seeing it being made.
0: That's a very bleak premise. What, <laughs> what is the challenge when... Because this is a, young, a movie aimed at young adults. Yes. What is the challenge between balancing the, the kind of bleak grimness of giant robots taking over the world and also not making it too dark.
2: Well, it's funny you should say that. I mean, very, very early drafts were very grim and very dark. And in fact, uh, you know, in early drafts there was a very high body count. And it was only then when we started getting feedback that we realised we were making a kid's film. And we were heavily influenced by films like district nine which had a great sort of handheld indie vibe but had terrific cg and special effects and we thought that would be great to tell a story like that john having come off the back of grabbers had really good experience with vfx and we there was a point where we could have turned left down the road and it could have been a very sort of grim rated 15 kind of bloody gory movie but there was something about the premise you being a small person, a child, and standing next to a two-story high robot that we thought would appeal more to that that kind of market and, and, and viewership. And and so we went down, and And it is harsh. It does have edges, you know, but it is great fun. I mean, we've had test screenings, and what we've discovered is kids between 11 and 14 absolutely dig it, and they, they're into it from minute one. And I think one of the reasons they really, really like it is particularly with British kids as well, because if you're 11 years old now, you are too young to have seen Harry Potter in the cinema and they're looking up at the big screen and they're seeing kids they know in streets that they know Having a big widescreen adventure with big robots, and they, they really get into it. So, and they like something with an edge, you know. They like something that's uh, a bit gritty, and you know where people will die and get zapped, and uh, and it is you know it is an occupation movie. You know we're occupied by robots, and there are people who will collaborate with the robots, and there are people who will make a stand and fight against them. So it's about really difficult choices as well. Um, but it is huge fun, and the, the young cast we've got are, are just incredible.
0: You wrote the script for the movie and you've also written the novelisation. Yes. What is the change of pace like and what things can you do in a novel that you can't do in the movie and what can you, what have you changed and what can't you change?
2: Well, the, uh, we talked about a novel from very very early on our producer a guy called Piers tempest who uh, has been a great sort of flag waver for this from the very beginning has, has always talked about a, a bigger universe for this and there, there is a game there's an ios game an android game coming on on release as well and there's talk of comic books and, and all sorts of stuff but the novel from the very beginning was the thing that we we talked about and i really really wanted to write it as well and that that the novel came out of an exercise that John asked me to do the week we had rehearsals. We, we had a, a week with the the four kids in the film, and he asked me to write backstory for all of them. What they were like before the war, what their lives were like, what their families were like, and how it, how it all changed. And before I knew it, I'd written about 10,000 words. I said, to him, I said, this is the beginning of the book. This is, you know, where it all starts and what a book does that a film can't do is it gets you into the mind of those characters, uh, particularly when you've got a villain, we've got a great villain played by uh, Spen Kingsley called Mr. Smythe and he's, he's a collaborator with the robots and he's quite a nasty piece of work and part of the great fun of, of the book is getting inside his twisted mind and seeing how he sees the world uh, there are various scenes and lines that have been cut from the movie that are in the book but there's all sorts of new scenes as well, um, one of the things, you you, you know, it opens just after the invasion. Uh, whereas the movie opens about three years later. So you see people's panic and making bad choices just after the invasion, and you see a younger Sean, a younger Sean Flynn at the beginning, which you can't really do, you know, if there's just three years' age difference in, in a young actor. So, you, again, you, you get to see his background, his backstory, and you can really open it up as well. There are whole action sequences in the book that aren't in the film, uh, and there's all sorts of little extras. So if there's, if there's something in the film that leaves you asking a bit more, it's going to be in the book and I grew up reading you know those great movie tie-ins all through the 80s you know Donald F. Glutz's Empire Strikes Back and all the great Star Trek tie-ins as well and they all did that they, they all went into their characters backstories and, and it's a very pacey read as well you know it, it, it rattles along I'm, I'm very conscious that it's a, at a young readership and I remember what I was like at that age you know you just want to get in and, and be taken for a ride which, you, which hopefully it will do
0: You mentioned that it's a broader world are we likely to see uh, a sequel to the book dis- regardless of the success of the movie?
2: Well, uh, I don't know if you know, but the, the sequel's already been commissioned and John and I are working on outlines for a sequel to the film. But it's interesting you say that. One of, One of the things we are talking about is... Uh, either an in between book or something that does open up the world a bit more. Uh, I am, I, um, you know, a, a kind of splinter of the mind's eye kind of uh, a sequel book. Uh, and who knows? It's, it's kind of early days yet. We're, like I said, we're just about to finish um, post production on the film itself, um, which hopefully will be released early next year. So, um, this,
0: this could be the start of a great franchise
2: well uh, th- there's a lot of very uh, bullish optimistic talk about that so you know fingers crossed we, we certainly um, the feedback we've got from the test screenings and our producers and financiers is really really positive and they're being very very bullish about this so you know watch this space
0: what influences have you chosen because obviously robots invade there's a, a massive wealth of things to draw from what influences did you specifically pick
2: um, well, John and I are big fans of those 80s movies, you know, the, the Star Wars movies. Certainly the, the story arc, you know, owes a little, more than a little to Star Wars. The Goonies and Stand By Me, because we've got a gang of kids in the centre of this, was, was very central. But it's also a very British film as well. Um, but also, I mean, we, we we always wanted it to be about a father and a son. One of the very first... Uh, resources we looked at references we looked at was uh, Roald Dahl's Danny Champion of the World you know that that great relationship between a father and a son and uh, that's what, why Sean's father is called Danny in the film actually and we wanted to get that right before anything else it's you know one of the things is working on our a relatively low budget when compared to Hollywood is—we can't, you know, maybe compete with them in terms of crash bang wallet, but we have to beat them when it comes to character and feel and you know feeling for those characters, and that's something we wanted to get right from the very start. So, you know, taking a source like that, making sure that our characters at heart was was really important to us.
0: Apart from giant robots stomping on our faces, what's the next big project for you?
2: Um, well, I, to be honest the sequel is going to take up an awful awful lot of time for me uh, I've got a horror script that is with another director called Jackie Wright no relation to John Wright um, which hopefully we want to get our producer attached very very soon she's out of Cannes at the moment touting that about uh, and hopefully we can get that off the ground this year and that's a really good fun black comedy horror very very different to robots very much at the low budget end of the spectrum but uh, really good fun is there
0: a particular dream project
2: that you have Oh crikey! Um, yeah, well, you know, with all these Star Wars spin-offs coming along, that would be nice one day. Uh, a, a Bond would be nice. You know, uh, I like to think big. That's one of the things I've I've learned going through this project is is don't be coy, be ambitious. You know, um, and there's various various sort of uh, franchises that we we you know comic books that we've got our eye on and, and stuff, that we we can't really talk about at the moment. But um, I think robots is going to take up an awful lot of time over the next few years, so uh, we're, uh, we're kind of focusing on that at the moment.
0: It's a very interesting cast, because you've got Julian Anderson, you've got Ben Kingsley. Yeah. Um, is, did you imagine you were going to get that sort of a cast when you wrote it? <laughs>
2: did you have anyone in mind? Well, we when you're doing these things, you, you draw up wish lists of of people, and they were both on the wish list. But also, you know, at, at the top of the wish list, where you think, yeah, we'll never get those. And uh, I was walking through London one day, my phone rang, and John called, and uh, he uh, he said, we've we've got Gillian Anderson, and you know, being a child of the of the X Files, I I just you know, froze on the spot. I couldn't believe it. And then a couple of days later he said we've got Sir Ben and uh it's just incredible. We've got a fantastic casting director called Amy Hubbard who've just come off The Hobbit, which has also an incredible cast and uh she's just been fantastic and got some great names. We've got Roy Hudd is in there and he's brilliant. You know, you may know Roy Hudd as from the radio and from comedy, but he's a really good dramatic actor, you know, and there's there's some there's some really good people to watch out for in this. But like I say those four Kids. We've got uh, Callum McAuliffe, who was probably last seen in the great Gatsby playing The Young Gatsby. Incredibly charming, charismatic young man. I think he could play Bond in the next 20 years, you know. We've got James Tarpey, who was in The World's End. Incredibly funny. Uh, We've got Ella Hunt, uh, and she's done, uh, she was in Les Miserables, but um, she's just great in this he's the real heart of the film and we've got a young lad called milo parker who's about 11 years old when we shot it and i guarantee everyone's just going to want to adopt him he's he's just adorable and uh, again incredibly charismatic young guy and you're going for the big stars but you'll you'll come out just wanting to see more of these guys i, I guarantee it
0: um we know we know quite well on this show that writing is an intense and difficult process What gets you through the editing process?
2: I've learned to enjoy it. I like it. I I realise you you can't be precious about these things, particularly in in film. Uh, The thing I realised very early on is, is that it's John who's the one who's going to be standing there on set on the day, surrounded by the cast and crew, looking at him. And if I stamp my feet and insist that something stays in that he doesn't agree with, then you know it's not going to be done well so you know i uh, i've i've worked well with john but i i in that we we kind of you know there aren't any airs and, and any, any shouting matches or tantrums or anything and, and we've got we've had really good support from the BFI, we've had really good notes from them and our financiers and, and backers and we've we've just it's been a bit of a dream. We've not really had any really silly notes, you know. It's it's um it's all been done for the, the good of the project itself. And John has a really good clear idea of, of what he wants and how he wants to get it. And as a writer that's that's a dream. You know, if you're working with the guy who's actually gonna make it happen then it, it, it makes a massive difference um if you had a if you
0: were trapped on a desert island and you only had one book for company
2: what would it be oh cracky. um one book uh probably Pratchett and Gaiman's Good Omens that's a book I can read again and again and again I think uh or, or failing that uh probably Brewer's Phrase and Fable that's just a good inspirational book as well um probably yeah probably good omens I think I, I love that book
0: and just three very quick and silly questions to finish cool. off um, Simpsons or Futurama
2: oh, oh oh crikey Now you're asking now it's probably Futurama if you'd asked me 15 years ago it's probably The Simpsons so yeah but The Simpsons has still got it though every now and then it surprises so
0: Cybermen or The Borg
2: I think the Borg. I think the Borg. I think they're a little bit more menacing than the Cybermen.
0: And finally, truth or beauty?
2: Oh, truth. Always truth. Uh, Beauty can be false and can be very alluring, but the truth can hurt, but it's the truth.
0: Mark stay. thank you very much for coming on the show. Ed, my pleasure.
2: This is Fab Radio International.
1: if you've just tuned in, this is the Bookworm on Fab Radio International and you have just missed Ed's interview of the lovely Mark Stace
0: Uh, Robot Overlords will be out um, soon Uh, it's all coming out over the course of the next year so we'll keep you informed as it happens, but wasn't he lovely?
1: He sounded like a truly lovely chap
0: So uh, you have a book I I have a book in my
1: hands, it's quite a hefty book and it's one of my favourite books um, and it's the host by the infamous, mwahaha, Stephanie Meyer.
0: <laughs> okay, so obviously I'm horrendously biased. Um,
1: Don't be. Don't t- be. Uh,
0: tell, me, tell me about how Stephanie Meyer redeems herself.
1: Right, so the host is a sci-fi book, um, by all Intent and purposes. Um, it tells the story of Melanie, Melanie Strider, who's a human living in a world that's been taken over by invading aliens. And these aliens get into your brain and take over your body and you fade away. And these aliens basically live within your body and look like you and move and everything. But it's completely different consciousness. Not only that, but that they're so advanced that they can repair the bodies and have basically gotten rid of all the nasty um, smokes and, 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 and nasty... Um, depleting of resources and pretty much taking care of the earth as well and the environment Aha. how dare they take over and treat our planet and our bodies better than ourselves but Melanie's one of the last humans out there scattered and, and running away and hiding and trying not to be taken over because they don't want to lose themselves and um she's she's one of the She's actually managed to carve herself a little niche, a little slice of happiness in, in this weird new earth. Whereas she's met this lovely guy, um, Jared, and uh, she lives with her little brother, who she managed to actually save uh, whilst their parents got taken over. Um, and, and you know, they, they do their own thing, and they scavenge for food and whatever they can find, until one day, unfortunately, during the scavenging, scavenging trip um, to save her little brother. Uh, Melanie sacrifices herself and attracts the the um, eye of these aliens that are trying to catch them. Uh, leads them away and jumps out of the window, trying to kill herself because she doesn't want to be taken over. Still manages to survive, and because of this technology that the aliens have, um, her body's restored and she's implanted an alien um, consciousness called Wanderer. And the problem is Melanie's quite stubborn and she doesn't want to fade away like all the other humans before her. So her memories are still alive, and her consciousness is still alive in her body, together with this alien wanderer. So Wanderer, now he's experiences not only the weirdness of a human body, but also all of the overwhelming emotions of this really angry girl that really wants to get back to her brother and the guy that she loves. Okay. So that's the premise of the story.
0: So it sounds pretty bleak.
1: It eh? It's not actually. I have to say, and I, I tell this to everyone that picks up this book. First of all, don't come into it with prejudice. It's actually really well well written, and it has nothing to do with any of a previous work or anything that came after. It's a wonderful standalone novel. It stands quite a hefty count of six hundred pages, uh, and it's pure sci-fi. Now. You, got, you have to get through the first hundred pages to, to then get the story going because the first hundred pages are, are sort of wonder or wanderer sort of settling into her new life in on on earth so in a minute i will tell you her. here's a little sting
2: is fab radio international for seven years the ripman show has been playing and supporting new unsigned and emerging music you can now listen to the show here and exclusive to fab radio international every monday seven till nine
1: So we're back with the bookworm. I'm Nympha Hayes, and I'm here with the lovely Ed Fortune.
0: Hello, everyone.
1: And we're talking about The Host by Stephanie Meyer.
0: So, if I have, for example, if I've read Breaking Dawn, and she's got a lot of, there's body horror in Breaking Dawn, what surprises am I in for with The Host?
1: Um, It's not actually that gory at all. It's, it's, it's... (sighs) I don't even know how to explain it, apart from please read it. It's very beautiful in the story and the way that she she does this taking over is not is, there's no violence almost, and I think it's because of the alien race that she portrays. There there there's no war, you know there's no overt big let's fight for independence. The, there's few of us left. There's few humans left. The really, they really just come taken over and the human race did not realise until it was too late and they were already there so you know they've done good things but obviously it, the horror is more the psychological thing of, of fading away from your own body and obviously these bodies but it's very well it's very well approached now the worst thing is when wonder actually sort of when the memories are so strong that she can't fight it anymore and she actually goes looking for melanie's family for her brother and and her boyfriend shall we say um and she goes through this um through this desert uh, with this image in her mind that she's trying to match up to a place that her uncle once talked to her about and where she thinks uh, her uncle still lives and where she hopes that her little brother and her, her boyfriend have ended up and that they're safe and she actually does get there and there's a tiny pocket of resistance that are living hidden deep within a mountain and um, and there is some violence there, and it's basically the, the fear of people, because obviously she's not human anymore, so they don't believe her when she she's, tries to explain that you know she's actually half Melanie and half something else. But she's not there to, you know, hand them over. She actually just wanted to make sure that they were okay. And the only way that you can recognise these aliens is by looking into the eye and there's like a silver circle within their eyes, which is part of the alien that's implanted in inside you in the brain. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's not that bad. There's there's sci fi obviously big and heavy. There's there's a beautiful love story. and um, there's also a wonderful story about human nature and 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 how we sort of overcome our fears and 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 sort of become better and more and and then there's the story of this this alien form because you can also get glimpses into her previous life she's been in different worlds and inhabited different types of species in the in several worlds and and, and obviously then she compares them to, to what the human body and the human emotion is like and there's some lovely little stories there set in the different worlds as well
0: you see for me I grew up on a, a diet of shans and scrolls and all these others and the invaders and these sort of of the, the, these kind of alien horse beings, these alien parasite ideas, but and they they, they give me the wig, <laughs> know, they really do. The 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 entire concept of one's identity being subsumed by an entirely different thing. It's yeah, it's
1: it, is, absolutely yeah, it, really it's, it's, really nasty. It absolutely, and it plays with that fear, but it does it so well. And I mean, I'm I'm not a big fan of of you know body snatcher type of of books or, or you know ideas either, but I was really taken by the story and the emotion and and everything that it tells you without being patronising. I think it's written beautifully. Uh, Six hundred pages that are worth the time uh, if you can get through the first hundred, as I said, because they're a bit slow and. It, it takes a bit to get going, but when it does, it gets incredibly good.
0: Are there any sequels, or is it one complete No, nope, it's
1: world? a one-off. Um, it's actually come out in movie form, and the only thing I would say is the story's very faithful to the book. The only thing they've done is the cast very young uh, actors uh, playing, obviously, on the teenage... Love side of it. It's not a teenage book. I mean, you can read it as a teenager by all means, but it's it it's actually an adult book with adult people. I think Melanie's supposed to be in her twenties, so it's not a teen novel, uh, and that's the only. Th- critique I would have about the movie but it's very very faithful to the story as much as you can be in a two hour movie that's you know representing a 600 pages book um, so you know if you've got any doubts and you think I'm not sure you could you could try the movie and see whether the story appeals and then obviously find out more because the book has so much more um, and, and pick up the host I would definitely recommend it and it's my one of my favourite books of all time
0: so who's it on where can I get it
1: it's by the host by Stephanie Meyer and it's um, published by Sphere oh. it's out there it's been out there for a while some of you might have read it already so if you have and you want to share your you know opinions you can come and visit our Twitter page or our Facebook page Radio Bookworm or even Tumblr um, or you can come to us through the Fab Radio International um, Twitter or Facebook or Fab Radio um, international.com website.
0: And if you're listening to us on iTunes, please, please, please subscribe.
1: Yay! Uh, and also su- rate us. Boom. Oh, and
0: rate us. And you know, tell us and how love awful us we and are. And hug us and oh.
1: call us. Not George. Bookworm. Call us Bookworm. And call us Bookworm. Don't <laughs> call us George.
0: Don't, don't, don't stroke us that hard.
2: George. <laughs> Across the world, twenty four hours a day.
0: Happy Tal Day. Day. So, it's, it's Tal Day, which is in honour of Douglas Adams. who is sadly not with us anymore. Um,
1: should Douglas Adams be in the G- GSCs instead of <laughs> Tequila should,
0: Mountain? Should, should he replace Tequila Mountain? Bird? Well, no, obviously. Um, <laughs> <laughs> should, he be a G- should he be on the GCSE reading list? On the one hand, the problem with the GCSE reading list is it's books you have to read. And the thing about Hitchhiker Sky of the Galaxy is you should just come to what, you know open-handed and enjoy it for what it is it is massively subversive though.
1: so it definitely should
0: be it absolutely should be
1: so our answer is yes yes it should be yes
0: Um there, there was a comment on, on Twitter you can find us on Twitter there was a comment on Twitter that's read which was uh, all Neil Gaiman and Warren Ellis and Douglas Adams for oh the, for yeah Neil the Gaiman
1: Neil Gaiman
0: for the, Warren Ellis could you imagine <laughs> Larry
1: Pratchett
0: could you imagine Gun Machine on the, the reading list my <laughs> golly
1: Although, worryingly, apparently, what the GCSE reading list is going to be is one Shakespeare, uh, one play, I think, um, and one um, author from before the British author from before the twentieth century. You know, you know how to perform. Does that mean if the author was born in the nineteen sixties or seventies, it's fine? Apparently,
0: (laughs) do you know how to perform a coup? Is actually a book. That's where the word comes from there's, there's a book it's a small pamphlet about how no, to no, no, sorry, sorry I was
1: wrong pre-20th century novel by a British author poetry by the romantics and a Shakespeare play I had to do poetry by the romantics for A level English literature oh, <laughs> is my reaction about
0: various pamphlets about, about Machiavelli and, and politics would also be very interesting things to add to your reading list Ooh. you know if you want to change the government I don't know but why he's not British is he oh,
1: that's good. oh
0: my god Oh my god! No, oh, oh my god! So, so essentially, How can
1: we become any more insular. I know. Just ban everything else that we haven't written, because oh. you know what? Could people from other nations could possibly, possibly have to contribute to our own culture? Yeah, this says is the Italian in the show.
0: <laughs> this, this is very much the wrong show to be. Here. <laughs> this is very much I'm the wrong.
1: Spanish,
0: yeah. <laughs> and this is very much the wrong. Short to be xenophobic about. Anyway, we were talking about Douglas Adams. Yes. So, so let's get back on to Barbara, the Barbara,
1: Hitchhiker's, Gal- Hitch-
0: Hitchhiker's Guide to Galaxy. Uh, his entire series. The one book that I would say that if you if you think you've read all of Douglas Adams make sure that you've read Last Chance to See I am a massive advocate for Last Chance to See it is one of my favourite books of all time uh, it's one of the one of the little uh, sound bites that we have as well for the show um, he goes off with a photojournalist and um, ecologist and he goes around the world seeing animals that are almost extinct hmm. it's hilarious hmm. it's really sad
1: of course it is
0: and um, and it's just really there's there's this wonderful bit where they're on I think it's Mauritius and they're standing in Mauritius and his his colleague is taking photos of all these beds and it's like four o'clock in the morning Mm. and he's just like his colleague here is obviously an ecologist and a knows about all this stuff it's a there this is glorious this is absolutely because he's hearing these, this bird song from all these rare birds and he's seeing all these rare animals and he's seeing all of this stuff Douglas Adams is just like coffee need coffee <laughs> and Rain. it's <laughs> rained and it's this perfect kind of Mankind. We, we love our environment, but also we, we also love our creature comforts a little bit too much. And he kind of brings together the conflict between human beings being human beings and human beings having a responsibility to the world as well. It is beautifully, beautifully done and it is quite funny. Um, so, yes. Uh, have we run out of Douglas Adams' story? Has that been stolen stolen by by us ranting about golf? Possibly. Damn you! <laughs> Uh oh! So we we better run away. Oh
1: no!
2: Embrace the alternative with Fab Radio. Hello, I'm Great Uncle Bulgaria. I found this Uncle Bulgaria. When we're not cleaning up Wimbledon Common, oh, it's a bit tight and contributing to the ecological debate Ooh. around redistribution of resources. Ah. We
1: like to listen to the radio shed. Oh, it is tight. Every Saturday, 12 o'clock midday, until 2pm. I think we're going to faint. Pick that up. Oh.
0: <laughs> well, we're going to have to run away now. So, um, coming up, coming up next, uh, we've got the page 10 we've got all sorts of shows uh, if you haven't listened to it listen to the Starburst podcast it comes out every every Wednesday evening and is also available on the Starburst front of the Starburst magazine so it's goodbye from me, Ed Fortune
1: and goodbye from me, Nympha Hayes The Bookworm, in association with Starburst magazine is a truly outrageous production for Fab Radio International. Presented by Ed Fortune and Nympha Hayes, produced by A.L. Johnson